believe that I had enough uh, information that I could throw it all together into a book and create a product that was going to help people of all walks of life and all ages. Okay. You know, and I'm, I'm what, as a coach, that must be a little difficult to balance at sometimes. So you have this very group of people, you know, who are uh, the beginning stages or the initial thing is I want to be a part of the team, but they're coming to the table with different motivations. But you as a coach, you have to kind of combine it all together and make it work. And, you know, how do you, how do you nurture somebody who's unmotivated as well as give time and energy to somebody who's not really motivated? Well, you know, that is true. Uh, I think one thing you have to be very patient with certain people, mm -hmm. um, but I think, on the other hand, you have to be very firm mm -hmm. to let them know that uh, if there's people on a team that are working harder than you, they're going to get into the game before you are. Sure. They're going to play more minutes than what you are. So, mm -hmm. you know, that it's unfortunate that not everybody can participate in basketball all at the same time, but only five get to go out on the court, and you use the bench some in some cases <laughs> to teach people that, You've got to change some things if you want to get out there on the court more. If you want to get off this bench, you you got to put in some more effort, you know. And I think when it comes to how that plays out in life, that is such a valuable lesson that people need to learn. That's true. You know, it's anything in wor in life that's worth having comes with a price tag attached to it. Mm -hmm. And if we want to have it, uh, whether it's a, a victory in a sport or whether it's success in business, if we want to have it bad enough, then we have to determine that we're going to be willing to pay the price for that, no matter how high that price may go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's really difficult for some of us because, you know, I guess maybe it might be human nature. We kind of want things, but, you know, we want to get like the $100 item and only pay $0.10 cents for it. You know, we just, we just, we want the shortcuts a lot of time as human beings, you know, so, um that's really within us. Uh, you know, and like you said, some of the athletes come to the table more motivated, more willing to com uh, commit it, more dedicated to doing what it takes to, you know, get off of that bench. But, you know, some of us by default are like, ah, you know, I, I just kind of really want the easy road, the easy path. And, you know, they don't understand that the easy path does not always lead to success. That's right. And it's interesting that you brought that uh, kind of a comparison up, comparing it uh, in money value because I did that very thing in my book. Mm -hmm. I talked about the fact that uh, people, when they go shopping, they know what it is that they want. Mm -hmm. So the real question is, how much How much am I willing to pay for it? Mm -hmm. We ourselves to find things at the cheapest possible price. Mm -hmm. Do that by, you know, watching uh, the sales on TV or in the newspaper, going to the stores that have the sales and you know, there's a lot of ways when you're shopping to find a discount. In the clearance rack, when you go shopping for clothes, you can go to the bargain basement stores. Today's world, sometimes we shop from home on the Internet. And not only is it convenient, but we might get a discount, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 percent for shopping on the Internet. Mm -hmm. We apply that same mindset so after victory or success greatly disappointed because listen to the words of General Dwight Eisenhower. Mm -hmm. He his troops, there are no victories, bargain prices. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. 
very simple. If you want to have success and victory in your life, you have to be willing to pay full price to get that victory or success. Otherwise, you're going to fall short. True, true. And, uh, you know, like I cannot stress that enough. You know, I have encountered that too many times in my life and, you know, my process of mentoring people and even, you know, self-reflecting on me. You know, there have been times in my life where, you know, I, I've wanted to kind of, I want this, but I don't want to really put the effort, you know, into that. You know, I can say, okay, yeah, I want to lose 10 pounds, but I really want this donut right here, you know. So, I mean, there's so many areas in our life and so many things that we, you know, it's just really a struggle sometimes. We, we say we want it but our actions don't really show that we really, really want it. Well, that's true, Lana. And, you know, it's it's so true that uh, it's all of us that are well mm-hmm. on the same. <laughs> yeah. Every single day we have to make choices. Do true. I want this bad enough to, put, to pay the price to have it or don't I? And, you know, that's a great example, losing weight. And <laughs> I have to remind myself of the things that I've written <laughs> very often. True, true. Good stuff. Well, Roger, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Stay with me and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Today I am with Mr. Awesome and Amazing, Mr. Roger Lambert. He is the author of the book, Paying Victory's Price. And uh, we were talking about his uh, experience with uh, basketball coaching before the break. And um, Roger, the book, uh, Paying Victory's Price, you know, and we were talking about this a little bit before the break. We actually were talking a lot about this, that you were saying that uh, there's a cost with victory and success, um, why can't we just have it easy? Why can't it just be handed it to, handed to us? Well, you know, Lana, if everything was easy, if we never lost, if we always were victorious, for one thing, uh, we wouldn't appreciate the victories that we have because we just think that's the way it always was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's kind of good that things don't always come easy because there's a lot of great lessons we can learn even through our failures. Mm-hmm. But any person that decides they want to take the journey down the pathway that leads to success has to prepare themselves for the fact there's going to be obstacles in the way. Gotcha. There's going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some twists and turns to that pathway that leads to success. There's going to be some barriers that you're going to have to go around, over, or through. And each and every time we come to a bump in the road, a twist and turn to the pathway of success or a a barrier that we have to go around over and through, the price of our success rises higher and higher and higher. And when you stand at the beginning, at at the starting line, uh, headed towards success, you can't always see all those obstacles coming. Some of them just pop up as we're going along what's called life. There you go. There you go. I think there's a, a picture that I seen. Uh, I saw floating around some time ago, and it says, you know, one person has this view of success is like the straight line, and then the reality of it is that it's like this curving, rinding, turn back, going back to start where you came from, and go back up. You know, so you know we have this illusion that you know success is this wonderful, pleasant journey, but the reality is, no, no, no. You know, it is it is truly a complex twist and turns, um, and 
you know, there is a price to that, like you said. Um, I'm wondering, and just because, like I said, I do a lot of mentoring myself and you being a basketball coach. And I run across this problem sometimes where you find people, like in your case, you might have a kid that comes to you and says, you know, I want to join the basketball team. And, you know, after uh, some time of working with them, clearly, Roger, maybe basketball is not their thing. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, how do you kind of guide somebody and say, well, this is not your dream. Maybe your dream is this, you know what I'm saying? But they're, they're in their mind, their dream is like, no, I want to play basketball. But you as the mentor, as the coach is like, mm, no, young man, basketball is really not your thing. How do you kind of transition somebody into another area that is is more beneficial, where they will have more success, more victory in life? Well, that's not an easy thing to do, especially if Mm -hmm. they've got heart set on something. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, really and truly, uh, our dreams in life are based around what we're really passionate about. Okay. And usually a person that doesn't have a lot of skills in basketball, when they come to me when I'm coaching, you know, middle school or high school age kids, Mm-hmm. They haven't been passionate about that sport, or their skills would be better by that point in their life. Okay. So I, I think that's the best thing to do is you try to help them discover what they are passionate about and try to help them you know, create some real goals for accomplishing things in that area of life. Uh, and you know, dreams are very important, and I talk a lot about dreams in my book. Uh, I think the importance of dreams, though, is, they're the motivating force that pushes towards that success that we want. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have a motivating force that's going to push you forward when the difficult times come along, when those obstacles just seem to pop up. If you don't have some type of a motivating force that you can fall back on to say, yep, it's, still, it's going to be worth it because this is, this is the thing that I want, and so I'm going to go over that obstacle or around it with, hard work and maybe more money, whatever Mm -hmm. it is that causes us to have to uh, get our victory over that obstacle, we've got to have some type of motivating force in some cases. Otherwise, those obstacles will cause us to just up and quit. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, when you're coaching your kids, what are are some of the the lessons uh, that you teach them? And I'm pretty sure not all of it is is basketball-related. It's it's not at all all basketball. I, I always believed that my job was to teach them basketball, but also to teach them life skills. Okay. Uh, I did that uh, in a number of ways. Uh, first of all, I tried to do it by uh, example. Mm-hmm. I tried to live a life in front of them that was uh, the life of a person who was a good person, was kind. Uh, tried to live uh, a life in front of them where they could look at me and say, he's always trying to accomplish something else and try to teach them that skill by example. But I also did it by using uh, uh, my opportunities in my pregame speeches and even in practice at times to feed them motivational information, to feed them information that would help them to think about developing certain life skills. Of course, I've included much of that information in my book. Okay, okay. I, I guess over the years you've got uh, quite a few awesome uh, young men and young women uh, that you can be very proud of that have 
uh, use some of your life lessons and are some probably some pretty phenomenal men and women these days. Oh, absolutely. Many of these young people that I coached have gone on to, to do great things. Some of them became coaches themselves. Okay. Uh, some, well, I know one in, in particular is an athletic director in a nearby town. And, uh, of course, I, I coached uh, members of my family, so I'm extremely proud of the accomplishments <laughs> uh, accomplished in their lives. Okay. You know, you mentioned, now that I'm thinking about it, you mentioned real quick that you didn't coach last year. Are you coaching this year, are you, are you finished coaching? or? No, I'm not coaching anymore. Uh, I think it's time for my life to move in some new directions. Uh, okay. And uh, not only do I uh, uh, spend a lot of time, you know, doing interviews with people like yourself and, and uh, advertising and marketing my book, but uh, I want to become a, a motivational speaker, and I really want to get into the uh, middle school and high schools in our area because uh, I want to continue to be able to help young people. Okay, okay. Always awesome. You know, I think it's just, it's such a reward when you, you help people become better people. And I just think that's really what we're on this this earth for. You know, it's not really about us, the individual, but what we can do for, you know, humanity and the world around us. So, you know, I, I always get tickled when I, I get to talk to people, you know, like you, who, you know, kind of want to motivate people to, you know, become their optimal best. So I just, I always love those kinds of stories. <laughs> Good Absolutely. stuff. I agree. 100%. Now, you talk about, in your book, you talk about goals. And um, it's it's very essential, vital to have goals. Um, but people get flustered with the whole process, you know. How do you advise people to look at setting a goal? Are there any tips that you have on, you know, how do you, how do you sit down and say, okay, today this, tomorrow this, three months this, six months this? Yeah, I do. Uh, first of all, I think whenever you're setting goals, uh, you need to make sure that you have both uh, short-term goals, long-term goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason that I think that is because <clears throat> if you set long-term goals that are uh, – Often the distance away, sometimes you can get frustrated and discouraged in the process of reaching those. But if you use some short-term goals as stepping stones towards those long-term goals, uh, it gives you an opportunity to accomplish some goals in a shorter amount of time. And as you accomplish those, you're going to lift your spirits because, hey, I've, I've accomplished this. And it's, a, it's taking me towards accomplishment of that long-term goal. But also in my book, I've included uh, some guidelines for setting goals. And these guidelines, if they're used uh, properly, are going to help you to set goals that are more effective. I mean, setting goals is not anything that's new to any of us. We've been talking Mm -hmm. about our life. And uh, yet, it's like you say, it can be kind of... uh, uh, But if you do it properly, and if you use these guidelines, you're going to be able to set goals that are more effective. And I've also included in the book some methods that you can apply to those goals that will help you to uh, accomplish those goals. And these methods have been statistically proven to increase your chances of accomplishing your goals. Okay. So let's say you had, you know, a young kid on, on the basketball team. What would be a in this case, in that story, that scenario, 
What would be like a short-term goal you would tell an up-and-coming basketball player and a long-term goal? Well, uh, you know, I've tried this. I, I've tried to bring this out of my players in recent mm-hmm. years. Ask them to uh, think about what they they uh, what their dreams are as far as the game of basketball is concerned. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. interesting the answers that you get. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they need a little bit of guidance, but some of them really get it. And mm-hmm. A shorter term goal would be something like scoring uh, more points than they've ever scored before in a game. Okay. If the most you've ever scored is two points, well, now you want to try to score four points. Okay. And uh, a longer-term goal would have something more to do with uh, improving your skills to the point where you can increase your playing time. If you're not a starter, it might be uh, striving towards becoming a starter. Mm-hmm. And there's many things, and I coached one girl who really understood this. When I asked them <laughs> down their dreams, uh, she really got it more than the others. She wrote down the, some of the best goals and the best dreams of, of any of the kids, and uh, they were uh, things that she could accomplish within our season, and she accomplished every single one of them. Uh, awesome. One of them was she wanted to score 10 points, and she scored 14 points in a game. And I went to her and I said, well, what do you think you have to do now? <laughs> well, guess I, we're on I, up 20 I, points now, right? I, she says, I don't know. What do you mean? I said, well, I guess you are got to be that you score 15 points now because you've already scored 14. Oh, cool. I always want to push them to go a little bit further. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool. And, you know, it always helps, you know, um, you know, like your kids, they, they have – the benefit of having, you know, Coach Lambert around. And I, I cannot stress enough how important it is to have a coach or a mentor or, you know, some sort of cheerleader along to just, you know, kind of encourage you. Because you can just kind of get overwhelmed and just kind of stabbing at the dark when you're trying to put this together on your own. But, you know, to have somebody to, you know, give you the path to victory is just, it's just, it makes it so much easier. Oh, that's true. In basketball, it's it's really obvious when it comes to something like shooting form. Mm-hmm. There's different styles of shooting that these kids have come up with, but most of them aren't fundamentally sound. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the big struggles that you had as a coach when you try to work on shooting form and trying to get kids to change the way they shot. They'd argue with you and they'd say, I can't shoot that way. <laughs> Well, I, I really think you can. Well, no, Coach, I, I just can't do it. And I, you know, I just told one of them one time, I said, well, you know what? If you can't shoot the way I'm asking you to, I got a real nice spot right for you next right next to me on the bench <laughs> that you can warm up. Say, uh, <laughs> I got something for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it amazed me that some of the kids that were arguing with me about how uh, to shoot a free throw, they were making – one, two out of ten, and yet they were trying to tell me that they couldn't shoot the way I was trying to get them to shoot. Twenty percent, not very good. You might just as well try it. What you got to lose? Yeah, I'm just say, just try what I'm telling you. You're not really doing that great already. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't want to have to tell them that. So you know, I to encouraging them and saying, you know, when you first start something, and this is so true. When you first 
in to do something a different way, it's going to feel awkward. Yes. You know, I like to golf, and, and I went through this a number of years ago. You know, my vision does affect me quite a bit in golf, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I still love it, and I wanted to get better, and so I read a book, and in the book it talked about changing your grip, and mm-hmm. so that's the first first thing I did. I changed my grip. You know, when I went out and played after I changed it, the first few times I played, that felt so awkward. I couldn't hit the ball as good as I did before. But by about the third time, I was not only doing as well as before, but I was starting to get better. And then it talked about changing your stance. So I changed my stance. And the same thing would happen. The first couple times I went out, I was worse. But by <laughs> about the third or fourth time, I was starting to improve. And, you know, and it's true with anything that you do. It takes time to make some adjustments. But if you stick with it, and if you're patient and diligent, in the long run, you're going to be so much better off. All right, cool. I think that's one of the things that you um, talk about in your book is perseverance, right? Absolutely. Okay, so we'll bring that up. Um, We're going to take a quick commercial break, but I want to talk some more about that perseverance uh, when we come back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I am with the author of the book, Paying Victory's Price, Mr. Roger Lambert. And before the break, we were talking about his uh, golf game. I always tell people I don't understand the game of golf. You hit the ball and walk and hit the ball and walk. But you were determined to get better at it, and that's perseverance. And uh, we were saying that that's actually a chapter in your book, it's it's important to stick with it. To, you know, even if it's it's not working well for you in the beginning or it's a little awkward, perseverance is very important to you, right? Oh, absolutely. If if you don't have perseverance, you're going to miss out on so many victories in life because you're going to give up before you've had an opportunity to master something. You know, and I, I guess, you know, you've got some kids, you know, and they're sitting on the bench and, you know, they're kind of not getting an opportunity to get on the court. And, you know, it can kind of get disheartening, you know, disheartening. Um, you know, how do you encourage a kid just, you know, hang in there, stick with it, you know, come to practice next week and keep on, you know, practicing those layups and those those free throws and stuff like that. And your time is going to come, you know, because sometimes it can feel like my time is never going to come. Let me just give this all up. Oh, that's true. You know, and even people who've done well in sports have endured times like that. You know, when I played, uh, before I had a vision loss, when I was a high school player, uh, I was always one of the best kids in my class, one of the best uh, players in my school. But I endured some hard times. I, I had some injuries, and coming back from some of those injuries, I thought my time was never going to come again to get back out there and and participate at the level that I wanted to. But uh, as I stuck with it and got some encouragement from some friends and some other people close to me, uh, I hung in there, and eventually my time did come around. There you go. There you go. And, you know, um, this kind of brings me to uh, one of the things you talk about in your book is a positive attitude, and you were just a living example of that in the walk that you walk. Why do you feel that? attitude, especially a positive attitude, is just so important in, you know, realizing your dreams and, you know, uh, coming into that successful time? 
Well, because if you're not positive, you're already half defeated. <laughs> if you're you're seeing all the negative things that can happen and all the bad things, and you're not, you can't say anything positive, you expect to be successful when you have that type of an attitude. And you know, as you well know, in my book, I cite many examples of people that had a great attitude, and because they had such a positive attitude were very, very successful. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that positive outlook, you're half defeated before you start. So you got to almost change your attitude in some cases before you get going. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to the kid, you know, and they're, they've suited up for the game on Saturday, and they, they walk out on the court and sit on the bench, and they're fussing, and they're like, I don't even know why Coach Lambert made me put my uniform. It's not like he's going to play me. I'm going to sit here the whole bench. I don't even know why I got my uniform on. I mean, you do have people who just, you know, they're there, they're present, but they're still have no belief, they have no, no positive attitude that their time is actually coming. Well, that's absolutely true, and the best thing you can do for them is to just continue to enforce uh, <laughs> the positive attitude and tell them to, to stay positive, uh, to be a good cheerleader while they're on the bench and tell, tell their uh, teammates what a great job they're doing. I guarantee you, as a coach, and I think almost all coaches would tell you this, that if a kid's on the bench and they're supporting their teammates and stuff, you're going to be a little quicker to put them into a game than you are somebody that's sitting there moping and <laughs> sorry for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think you're going to get out of the person that's feeling sorry for themselves if, they, if you do put them into a game? Mm-hmm. But if a person's staying positive and cheering others on, uh, that's a very important thing, and a coach will go out of their way to try and find a place to stick that kid in. Gotcha, gotcha. So once again, positive attitude is so important. You know, I just think that, you know, emanates from the person and, you know, the universe kind of opens up and gives you your opportunities when you kind of, you know, you have a, a one, it just, it just, it makes a world of difference when you have the right attitude. Yeah, it absolutely does. And one group in particular of girls that coach, uh, I was coaching a, a B team. They were an A team. I wrote about them in my book. They didn't have a lot of talent. They were overmatched game after game, getting beat really bad. Had their worst loss of the season the game prior to this, and I'm sitting on the bench next game in the first half. They were already down double digits, and a girl shoots from our team and gets fouled. She gets to take two shots. She goes to the free throw line. She shoots her first shot and misses. Sits on the bench. We're cheering for her just like she made that shot. And I'm <laughs> Now, there's a great example of keeping a positive attitude. There Those you girls, go. Though they may not be great basketball players, they're going to go somewhere in life if they keep that type of an attitude. There you go. There you go. And then, you know, what I like about that is is the team, you know, commitment. You know, we're, we're supporting each and every one of you. You know, not only do you have to believe in yourself as the individual athlete on the team, but your team is also there rallying behind you. I mean, and that in itself also makes a world of difference, too. Is, you know, well, I mean, I just, those are some wonderful lessons that those kids are learning on the court there. Awesome. You know, that's one thing about team sports is that you've got to have some belief and some trust in your teammates or it'll never work. True, true. Now, you also talk in your book um, this, this issue of commitment. Um, 
and I, I guess maybe we've touched on this kind of, but you have to kind of be committed. You have to be fully into it, fully vested in, you know, what your dreams are, what it is that you want. Um, what What is this relentless commitment that you talk about? Well, there again, uh, to be committed to something until you can see it to fruition, you've got to have a motivating force. You've got to have that dream that's driving you because even committed people are going to have those bad days where it seems like nothing's going right and these obstacles and these problems are coming at you fast and furious. And so you've got to, you've got to rely on that dream to push you through those times. But if you do, if you have that dream that's strong enough to move you forward through those times and you can stay committed, you'll have some great victories coming your way down the road. All right. You know, and there's so many things that kind of can distract us, you know, and, and, and falter us in our commitment. You know, I, I have my vision. I have my dream. I wrote down my goals or whatever, you know, but. You know, going back to the basketball thing, you know, I've sat up here with Coach Lambert for the last, you know, four weeks, and I've been practicing these free throws, and I can't seem to nail it. Now my confidence is lacking in myself, and that, too, is is a problem that we have to really kind of work on is, you know, overcoming when our confidence in ourselves is lacking, correct? That's true, and, you know, confidence is a really uh, funny thing if you really stop and think about it because – uh, in order to have confidence, you need to have success. Mm-hmm. Yet, in order to have success, you have to have confidence. And, uh, you look at something as simple as learning how to walk. Uh, when you first start, when you're a baby, you watch a baby that's learning how to walk. They stand there and their legs are wobbling and, and they're they're thinking about going, but. They're not sure whether they should go or not because they don't know if they have the confidence that they can get to where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Once they really get that confidence, all of a sudden they're walking all over the place. There you go, and tearing things down and everything. They're in anything, but, you know, like I said, it's that confidence. And, um, you know, it can you can get a little shook up from time to time. Um, you know, like that didn't work this time and that didn't work that time. I'm not really sure if this is going to go right this time. And, you know, like you said, it's it's just so intertwined with success and and confidence. They each play into each other, and it's hard to sometimes maintain your confidence when you don't have the success element. Right. You know, and I think uh, one of the things that's key for maintaining your confidence and even your, your positive attitude and many of these other things we're talking about is that you continue to feed yourself. So how do you... Um you know, how do you overcome rejection? Well, that's a difficult thing. <laughs> uh, you know, there again, you got to rely on your dream to motivate you through rejection. Failure and rejection in life can come in two ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's self-induced, and sometimes it's induced by others. And I think it's a little bit more difficult to overcome when it's induced by others. Yes. But as a basketball coach, we face this all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a loss in the game of basketball is, in a form, uh, rejection. Mm-hmm. As we've been told by some other team, you're not as good as us, or at least not today you're not. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
I made my kids on my team look at the mistakes that they made in a game, and sometimes they didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd talk about the game the next day at practice and what we'd done wrong, and I'd have players that say, Coach, that's over. That's history. Let's move on. We don't want to look back at what happened yesterday. <laughs> it's important. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're going to look back, whether you like it or not. We're going to look back. <laughs> because how you yeah. if you keep yeah. making the mistakes over and over and over. But, you know, it's it's difficult to take rejection, especially when it comes from somebody else. But, uh, you know, the many successful people in life who faced rejection repeatedly before oh, yes. they had their success. You know, and I think of the, the example I used in my book of Colonel Sanders. And when oh, yeah. he went out and started peddling his uh, chicken recipe and was looking for some restaurant to uh, take on his recipe and use it and pay him a a small percentage for each piece of chicken they sold with his recipe. He traveled thousands of miles and went to town after town after town and and actually was turned down over a thousand times before he got his first guest. And, you know, most of us, uh, we would say after just a few times somebody telling us, Forget it. (laughs) Out of this, this isn't working. Forget it. This is not for me. I'm moving on to the next dream after that. (laughs) We don't like that word, no. I know that's right. (laughs) Roger, we're going to take our last break of the day. Stick with me. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. Today I am spending time in space with Mr. Roger Lambert. He's the author of the book, Paying Victory's Price. And uh, before the break, we were uh, talking about overcoming rejection. And, uh, you know, you, you bring up that that's that's really a hard struggle. Um, and I know even on the coach end, that must be hard for you to watch because maybe perhaps you have this, you know, young kid, he tries out his freshman year and his junior year for the team and he never makes the cut. Um, but he still has a dream. He still has confidence in himself. You know, how do you, how do you navigate through that type of kid? Cause you're, you're giving them rejection time and time again. Well, that's one of the hardest parts of coaching is, Yes. Having to cut players from a team. Uh, you know, I, I went through that a few times in my career. Uh, fortunately, much of my career at the elementary and the middle school levels, we didn't cut anybody. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody needs the team. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes people learn some real lessons because mm-hmm. of the fact that they were cut from a team. And sometimes that's the motivation it causes them to work harder than they've ever worked. And I think the perfect example of that in the game of basketball is Michael Jordan. Yes. He was actually cut from a high school team, uh, but he continued to work hard and ended up becoming perhaps the greatest player who's ever played the game of basketball. Yeah, and that brings into uh, what you talk about, I guess, in your book, the chapter 14, I believe it is, focus on the prize. You, I mean, you just you just have to be committed and convinced and, and not to give up on the dream. So even if you're cut from the team, um, you know, it's possible that you too can be Michael Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, uh, we've got to just 
continue to focus on that prize and continue to work hard and do things correctly and uh, improve ourselves. And as we do that, uh, eventually those opportunities will come around again. And next time, hopefully we can take advantage of those opportunities. Okay, there you go. You know, you have this chapter in your book that I wasn't really sure what it was about, so maybe you can give me some, shed some light on it. And it's called How Differently Things Might Have Been. What what will we see in this chapter? Uh, that chapter talks about some very successful people who could have very easily given up. Okay. Uh, for example, uh, a lot of people don't realize that uh, uh, Derek Jeter, who... I'm very uh, partial to Derek Jeter because, for one thing, he's from the same uh, part of the country that I am. I I live just uh, about probably 30 miles from where Derek Derek Jeter grew up and played high school baseball. Mm -hmm. So he's a a big figure in our area. A lot of people will look at Derek Jeter and they'd say, wow, if I could be as successful as him, if, if... things would have been as easy for me as they were for Derek Jeter, I'd be successful too. Well, if you search into the history of Derek Jeter, you'll find out that things weren't always roses for him. When he was in the minor leagues his first year, especially in rookie ball, he'd never been away from his family before. He was homesick. He was lonely. He wasn't hitting. uh, He wasn't fielding very well. And he was actually thinking about quitting the game of baseball mm. but he didn't he stayed focused on the prize he continued to push through and even though there were some difficult times he eventually uh, was able to become the shortstop for the New York Yankees which was his lifelong dream <laughs> enjoyed a 20 year career doing the thing that he had dreamed about his entire life and now that he's retired uh, as soon as he's eligible for the Hall of Fame, he'll be voted in on the first vote, I'm sure. There you go. And all because he didn't give up, right? All right. Cool, cool. And I think the last chapter, um, you talk about pursuing the challenge. What's that one? Well, you know, I'm encouraging people in that chapter to accept the challenge of going after their victory or their success. There's many people out there, Lana, who they're thinking about, well, you know, I'd like to like to do this or that, but they've never even started. They've never gotten any further than just thinking about it. And I'm in, uh, encouraging people in that final chapter to accept the challenge, whatever that challenge might be in your life. Accept it. Uh, make sure that you identify your dream and make sure that you determine in your heart that no matter how high the price of your victory soars, that you're going to uh, stick with it and continue to work hard until you accomplish that victory and that dream that you've always had. Okay. So, Roger, you're still a relatively young man, and you've still got a lot of challenges and, and dreams yourself. Besides your golf game, what, what can we expect for you? What are you trying to do with yourself now? What's the next phase of life for you? Well, I want to continue to write. Uh, writing is something that I've always uh, enjoyed, and uh, I, it, writing a book was not something new to me here in recent years, but uh, many years ago when I dreamed about writing a book, I didn't know that it was going to be a motivational book, mm-hmm. but because of uh, where I've walked as a basketball coach, it all came about, and I, I believe it was 
something that was meant to be. And I have ideas for other books I would like to write in the future. Uh, and uh, I think that's between that and, uh, you know, being a motivational speaker and encouraging other with, others with my spoken words, uh, those are the things that I'd like to be able to do and continue to help other people. Cool, cool. Now, I should mention here that you, when it came to this book, Paying Victory's Price, you wrote, edited everything yourself. Now, how... You know, with the legally blind thing, how do you how did you make that happen? Well, that was not easy. <laughs> okay. Uh, because of my vision, when I use my computer, I have a voice program and it reads to me when I type. But okay. the editing, uh, I had a publishing company, and uh, in the middle of the edit, they went out of business. Okay. Uh, so I lived out some of the the parts of my book that I've written about, like uh, first. Uh, for example, plan A uh, might not work. You might have to go to plan B. Well, I had to go to plan B, and I yes. decided to self-publish. But uh, during the editing process, uh, the company that I had, what they had done when they went through and uh, had edited the book, if I had a misspelled word, it was in colored letters instead of black type. And I uh-huh. had to go through my manuscript, find all those things in colored letters, put the mouse cursor on it and click on it and accept it or reject it. Uh, so for me, I have a, a strong pair of reading glasses that you can only see out of one eye at a time, and you have to get things right up within an inch of your face to be able to read it. So that's how close I had to get to my uh, uh, screen on my computer mm-hmm. to be able to find those mistakes and uh, make sure that I got all those uh, errors out of there so it was a, a well done and uh, nice-looking book. So that was difficult, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it all comes back to that determination and that will to succeed uh, in allowing your dream to push you forward. Uh, you I guarantee go. you, I lived out what I'd written about in the book. I was just going to say, that is that is pursuing the challenge and commitment and focusing on the prize and all of that. I mean, that is just amazing. How long did it actually take for you, start to finish, to, to get it to where we see it now? Uh, from the time I began thinking and planning and researching until it be, uh, was in print, it took three and a half years. Uh, it was kind of an interesting story, too, Lana, because I had uh, told some people that I was going to write this book, and I was doing some research, and you know, I was finding some of the stories I was looking for to fill in certain places. And I went to a, a men's uh, – they had like a weekend uh, – retreat at a church mm-hmm. for men. and uh, on Saturday morning they were talking about things like different questions that we would talk about at uh, our table amongst four or five men at our table and one of the questions was what do you think the the Holy Spirit has uh, anointed you to do and I said well for me I think he's anointed me not only with the spoken word but with the written word and I said I'm, mm-hmm. I believe I'm supposed to write a book and a few minutes later they changed the uh, the course of the meeting and they started to show a video and the person that was talking in the video was mentioning all these different occupations and saying there's people out here that haven't done this yet but they can and one of the things he said was there's people out there that are authors but they haven't written their book yet uh-huh. and there goes roger lambert huh <laughs> yeah and of course all the people all the men at my table they wheeled around and looked at me <laughs> and nodded my head and smiled and 
But, you know, from that point on, Lana, everything just started to fall right into place. Full steam ahead. I love it. I love it. So where can people pick up a copy of the book? And they can go to painvictoriesprice.com, and they'll be able to read a little bit about the book, uh, what's on the back cover. They'll be able to read my author biography. And painvictoriesprice.com also has a spot for them to click on and purchase the book. Okay, okay. And so then uh, between the golf games, you said you have some more books. Uh, is there one in the works now? Uh, no, not yet. Uh, uh, I've got a real good idea of what I'd like to do for my next book, but uh, I haven't actually sat down and began to do it yet. Uh, uh, hopefully maybe this winter I'll get to that point. Gotcha, gotcha, good stuff. Well, Roger, we are at the end of our hour. It has been truly a delight talking to you today. Uh, my guest has been Mr. Roger Lambert. Please make sure you pick up a copy of his book, Paying Victory's Price. Roger, I thank you so, so much for hanging out with me today and sharing your story with my audience. I wish you much success. And I was going to say many team wins, but you're not coaching. So I guess much more victory on the golf course. How about that? That'd be great. And thank you for having me. <laughs> Hey, Lana, it's been a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, pleasure to have you, pleasure to have you. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember, when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you all next week. <laughs>